You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more info about PCLV and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PC Las Vegas. Thank you again and enjoy the message. Amen. And I want you to just to look at one person and say, I'm glad you're here. I didn't say scream in their ear. I'm glad you're here. Raise the Lord. Wow, 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 wow. What an awesome love conference we had. Amen. I mean, I, I am still in awe. What the Lord has done during that conference, I'm just in awe uh, what God is still showing me. I'm just, it's amazing, amen. And then Billy Hall's just off the hook, isn't he? Amen. Brother Love himself, amen. I tore it up, amen. I mean, they all did a great job, Pastor Adam and Pastor Carl. Uh, we just had a great, great time and what he did over the, the, uh, the last three, year, uh, three days of, of that weekend, amen. And so it was a tremendous, tremendous time, amen. And, uh, you know, how many know it's good to look back and reflect once in a while? You ever done that, amen? Just kind of look back and reflect on your life, amen? And uh, from last weekend, we, you can reflect on that. And you can kind of just go back to see, you know, go back in, in where you felt uh, God talked to you or you felt good, amen? Uh, as we look back, amen, in this, this year alone, how many know that, you know what, we have learned to put on the full armor of God? Can somebody say Amen. Come on, an armor that prepares you and I for the real battle. How many know that the battle is not between us? Come on, I know you like it to make it between you guys. It's not between husband and wife. It's not a begin between any, any brothers or sisters, amen. The real battle that we face, amen, is against principalities and against evil forces that come against us. And by putting on the full armor, we can withstand the enemy. Come on. Come on, you ever you just got just thoughts in your mind and... Just wrong things just hit us, and things just hit us from all kinds of direction. Kind of like our, our brother uh, uh, Derek was saying, amen, we get hit with life. We get hit with situations. Right, right now we, we got hit with a, a situation with my nephew, uh, they found dead. He passed away uh, recently, as, as you may have seen on the post, amen. And so life hits us from different angles. And so, you know, right now we're praying for the family. They're going through a season. They're, his mom's going through a season. He lives all the way in Hawaii, and we're trying to bring the body back, and it's, it's just going through things, but God has given us favor. And so life hits us and, and doesn't warn us. Can somebody say amen? Life just comes and just hits you out of nowhere sometimes. And so we got to understand, we got to have the full armor on, that God will protect us when these things hit our lives, amen. You know, uh, uh, back in, in July, we got into the life of David, amen. And we started to look at the series. When I ministered the series about facing our giants, how many remember that series? Amen. Uh, uh, we ministered about true friendship, and we've seen the friendship of David and Jonathan. Amen. And, and then the, the series of payback or what? Pullback. Amen. And so things that, that we understand. And you see, all of Israel looked at David as an example of a man of integrity, a man of compassion, a man that reconciled himself to God. In many areas, David lived up to that. But in other areas, he failed miserably. Anyone here ever fail in something? Come on, somebody. Come on, you ever made a mistake, amen? Hello, don't look at him. <laughs> and don't hit your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Come on, uh, we've all made mistakes. We all have done some things, amen, that, 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 that we failed at, amen. Uh, you know, have you ever thought, you know what, I got this. You know what, I, I know what I'm going to do. I mean, I, I got the situation under control, and you didn't. And you lost it. And you fumbled. Come on, 
Uh, you know what? In, in, in my life, amen, I have fumbled many times in my life. And I'm not just talking, amen, uh, when I wasn't saved. I'm talking about when I've been saved. Come on, serving the Lord, amen. Come on, there are times where I have fumbled. Come on, you ever thought, amen, when you got alive, I said, I got this in control. I, 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 I know what I'm going to do with this. I, I know I have everything right here. And all of a sudden, you even showboat a little bit. Oh, yeah, nothing's hitting my life. Everything's going good. And I, la, la, la. And all of a sudden. And, and you give that face, amen. Come on, have you ever fumbled in life, church? Where you thought you had it. Where you thought, man, everything's okay. You know, God's moving in my life. No one can touch me, amen. You know what, devil, you can't touch me. You, you get all big and bad, amen. You, thought you, you think you have it and, and you fumble it. And you fall flat on your face. And sometimes that fumble can take you out. Come on. There's times where we fumble in live church. But the thing is, don't just look at the ball. What are you supposed to do when you fumble that ball? Jump on that ball, amen. Come on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I thought, whoo. I thought my wife was going to jump on it, amen. Hallelujah. I said, babe, 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 no, no. You're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. Woo. I got it, girl. I got it. It's under control, see. See, when you fumble, I pick it up. <laughs> I got your back, girl. But so many times, church, amen, you know, you, we fumble the ball serving God. Come on. We, we, we think we have it all together. But even Paul says, the great apostle Paul says, you know what? I claim not to have it all together. But one thing I do is focus on the prize, amen. I keep going forward. If I fumble, you know what? I don't stay there and complain. I pick it up and I keep walking. I keep striving towards the goal. We go forward in life. Fumbles don't stop you in life, church. Fumbles are to, to react. Fumbles are to wake you up and say, you know what? You don't have it all together. Come on, we walk around, they, you know what? Well, we got it all together. I'm all that in a bag of chips. Hot Cheetos, as a matter of fact. I, I see some, some of you guys, how you walk in church, yeah, there's nothing wrong going on here. And also, Who did that? Sometimes your wife slaps it on your hands, guys. Stop, stop faking it. Tell them what's going on in our house. Man of God, walking on man of God. Your wife will expose you, husband. Man, this ain't even the message right now, amen. <laughs> but you ever thought, amen, you know, you're serving God and said, man, you know what? I could have done a better job there. I could have handled that situation in my life a little better, amen. I could have controlled it a little better. And it gets you to wake up, and fumbles are to get you alert, guys, to wake up and handle life, amen, that we all fall short of God's glory. So in the next couple of weeks, I want to look at the area where David fumbled the ball. David, you got to understand, loved the Lord. Amen. David had great favor. Uh, come on, David, a little boy, a shepherd boy who killed a bear and killed a lion. And we learn the story, amen, that he took down Goliath, a giant, amen. Had a great friendship with Jonathan, amen. The Bible says he's won many, many battles, amen. It was a, he was a great leader and a great king, but he fell short, listen, church, as a parent. And we're not going to follow David's example as a parent, but we're going to learn from his example. And I want to minister a little mini-series entitled Parental Guidance. Parental Guidance. How many know that we got to guide our children? Come on. Your life, the things that you do, your kids, listen, your kids are watching you. Come on. It might go through these messages is you know what, first, I got three goals I want to do through this message. First, I want to encourage you and not discourage you, okay? 
Secondly, I want to stand alongside with you and not above you. Come on, because I've struggled in this area of parenting. My wife and I have struggled in this area of parenting. Come on, parents, can we say amen to that? Come on, we, we struggle with this. We, we, we're learning. We, we fall short. And thirdly, I want to challenge and motivate you to be the kind of parent that God wants you to be. Amen? So let's look at David's life. You know, all the stories that I just said, amen, of, of being a shepherd boy who trusted God and killing a bear and a lion, taking down a giant, amen, doing all kinds of things, God using him, and then becoming a king of Israel. You would think that his kids would have it all together. Come on, how many know that, you know what, you, you look at your kids, and sometimes even in ministry, they call them PKs, pastor kids. You would think my daughter would have it all together. That my grandchildren will be all together. My kids will be all together. My son having it all together. But I may know that we, we, we all have problems. Come on. Saved or not saved, you have problems. Being a pastor or a follower, we have problems. Our kids raised in the church or not, they're going to have problems. Can somebody say amen? Romans chapter 3, 23 says that we have all fall short or we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, including saved. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, as the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. We all fall short, church. I still fall short as a man of God. I still fall short as a father. I still fall short as a husband. David's family are no different than you and I. Come on. Actually, they, they're, they're a little worse than the Bundys. I mean, remember the Bundys. Amen. Hallelujah. How about George Lopez's family, amen, or the Barones, amen, from Everyone Loves Draymond. These guys, David's kids were worse. So first let me look at one of David's sons by the name of Abnon. In first, 2 Samuel 13, it says that Abnon had a perverse sexual drive, which dro drove him, listen, to do a terrible thing, church. The scriptures goes on to say that he pretended to be sick. And he asked his dad, David, can you have my half-sister Tamar cook for me? And on top of that, can you have her feed it to me? I mean, no, oh, that alone is a little weird. But his father, David, agrees and tells him, okay, I'm going to have Tamar come to you and she's going to nurse you back to health. And she came in the room and the Bible says, you know what, she cooked the meal and came to feed him. And as he, she went to go feed him, Adnan raped her. And trip out on this, though. David found out his father and did nothing. The Bible says that David got angry but did nothing. Have you ever got upset with your kids, church? Come on. And did nothing about it. Come on, instead of parenting them, instead of teaching them, we end up doing nothing at times. Come on, somebody. Listen, church, if you're yelling at your kids only, you're still doing nothing. Yelling is not a part of parenting, church. We, we think that, yeah, we got the word of God. No, no, you're yelling, you're doing nothing. Now, David had another son, and his name was Absalom. And the Bible says that this guy was good looking. In 2 Samuel 14, 25, it says, Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man of all of Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. Kind of seems like he's speaking about me right here. Amen. Wow. There's other guys just like me. Amen. I mean, <laughs> I'm just plain. Amen. But when Absalom... Heard what happened to his sister, he became very angry. And he was waiting for dad, okay, I'm going to see what dad's going to do to my brother. He, he, come on, dad's going to step up right here. And Absalom's thinking, uh, what's going on? And two years, two years passed, church, and still nothing was said. No punishment was given. And Absalom's thinking, what the heck's going on? What, what, what's going on here? Don't, don't my dad understand what just happened to my, our, my sister? 
his daughter, don't he understand what, what, what's, what's going on? He's not even saying nothing about it. So Absalom threw a party. So you know what, I'm going to throw a party. I'm going to get the family together, kind of like a family reunion. I'm going to get them all together. So he invited everyone, including his dad. If he would have went, I believe, would have made a difference. But the Bible says that David refused the invitation. In 2 Samuel 13, 25, it says this. And the king replied, no, my son, we have all came. If we all came, there would be too much of a burden on you. Now Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come. Another translation said that he refused, although he gave Absalom his blessing. So everyone shows up. All the other brothers show up. And, and guess who else shows up? Amnon. Amnon shows up, and so Absalom gets Amnon drunk. I mean, the dude, he gets him completely wasted. And then he had him killed. I wonder where he learned that from. Sound familiar? See, David finds out about the murder of his son Amnon. And again, the man of God, the king of Israel, does nothing. No correction, no discipline, no nothing. A total of five years pass, church. Still nothing is done. I'm going to kind of go through it real quickly. I mean, Absalom is angry at his father, upset that he doesn't talk to him, even on the actions that he did. He's mad, and, and David doesn't want to see him. He just doesn't say nothing and doesn't want to see him at all. You have to understand that Absalom, after he killed his brother, he went on the run for three years. He took off thinking that, well, dad will come chasing me, and dad didn't come. David, however, after three years, brings him back from where he is, but still doesn't want to see him. He brings him back into Israel. Now five years have passed, church, and nothing is said. And nothing is done. So Absalom wants to talk to dad. And so he sends a message to Joab. Now Joab is a David's right-hand man. Amen. He says, you know what? Tell my dad I want to talk to him. But Joab doesn't respond. So he sends messages again and still nothing. He Facebooks them. Nothing. Nothing through Instagram. Nothing comes back. Amen. No message, no nothing. So he says, you know what? I'm going to find another way to get his attention. So he sets fire and burns down Joab's fields. Now, I want you to understand, parents. You have to know that when your kids are doing something wrong and bad at times, it may not be rebellion. It may be trying to get your attention. Sometimes we get upset at them doing something. But they're just trying to get attention of mom and dad. And so the only way that they can get that is if they do something wrong. So he does this, amen, and burns it down. Joab hears what's happened to his fields. He runs over and says, dude, what's the heck? What the heck? What are you doing? He goes, well, you didn't respond to my message. I messaged you. I, I, I sent message after message, and you still don't respond. I want to talk to my dad. In 2 Samuel 14, 32, it says this. And Absalom replied, because I wanted to ask the king why he brought me back. And he didn't, if he didn't intend to see me, I might as well just stay where I was. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, let him kill me. Right here he said, you know what? I want to talk to dad. I want my punishment. I want some attention. Even if it takes getting the belt, even if it takes him get, talking to me, I want him to talk to me. And if he finds me guilty, then go ahead, have him kill me. So Joab tells David, and David agrees to meet him. He meets his son for real quick, kisses him, and leaves. I mean, that's it. After five years, five years not talking to his son, five years not seeing his son, all he does is come in, gives him a hug, and says, all right, mijo, I'll see you later. And walks away from him. 
doesn't say, like, you know what, what's going on, son? What, what, what's, what's going in your mind? Tell me how you're feeling. Nothing. He says nothing to him. Nothing. How you been? Son, we need to talk. Son, I missed you. Son, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I think if parents would just say sorry once in a while, it would be all right. Just say, hey, man, I make mistakes. I'm sorry. But says nothing, church. Hugs him, gives him a kiss, and walks away. Now, how do you think Absalom is feeling right now? How would you feel? How would you feel, church? This dude's mad. This dude wants to get things right. This dude wants a relationship with his dad. This dude wants to explain what he did. And then he gets this crazy idea, you know what, I'm going to overthrow my, my father's throne. You know what, he starts looking at him, my dad's not the king. This is not what a king does. I'll do a better job than he does. And so he makes a plan, I'm going to overthrow him. So he convinces the people of Israel that he would be a better king. He convinces the people of Israel that he would listen to their cries a lot better and satisfy the needs of the people of Israel. There was a point in his life that Absalom's ego got so big that he started building a big following and rebellion against his father David. Absalom won the people's heart over with his smooth talking and his good looks. But his looks eventually, church, got him killed. You got to understand, if you really look at the story and read the story in 2 Samuel, you will start to read, amen, that Absalom had this long golden hair. And he would cut it once a year. And it, it would, when he cut it, that once a year, it, it weighed five pounds. That's how much his hair would just grow out. And it would just get too heavy <laughs> that he had to cut it once a year. I mean, the, the, the dude just got, I mean, but he had, it was long, golden. That's kind of the hair I want in heaven when I go. Just long, golden, long, blonde hair, amen. Just, just rocking it in heaven, amen. Hallelujah. But this is Absalom. He, he has this long, golden hair, and he cuts it off, amen, once a year. But Absalom, it says in the Bible that he was... This is when, the, when, they were, when David was on the run because his son's after him. His, David's men are after him. And so they're kind of hiding from each other, amen. He's trying to overthrow the kingdom, amen. David says, your son's after you. He wants to take you out. He wants to be the new king. And so David goes in hiding. And he's telling him, no, don't hurt my son. You know, when you get him, just grab a hold of him and all this stuff. And there, here he is. And Absalom's by himself. And he's riding on this, room, uh, this mule and he sees David's men. He says, oh, no. And so he says that he turns around and tries to get away. And he starts to ride on this mule, and there's a tree that, that's hanging and gets a hold of his hair. Ladies, ever got your hair cut or got stuck somewhere where you're like this? Hey, girl. Oh. <laughs> Looking all cute, all that. What's up, girl? Oh. <laughs> then you come back all messed up, Amen. Well, this is what happened to Absalom. He's riding the mule. His hair gets stuck. The mule keeps going, and then he's hanging on the, on, the, on, the, on the tree. He's dangling. But guess who sees him? David's men. And guess who they tell? Joab. Hey, the dude that burned your field is dangling in a tree, dude. <laughs> what do you want to do? Let's go get him. And so they're, they're sitting there, and they're looking at him. And he gets a spear, and he hits him. And he tells and orders the men, kill him. They kill him, and they throw him in a pit. David, they tell David what happened. And the Bible says that David was heartbroken and wept over his son, as any father would. If David, listen, if David would have parented right, if David would have handled things differently, if he would have discipled and faced his son, church, instead of avoiding him and avoiding the situation, church, 
Absalom would be alive. Admon would be alive. Listen, you got to understand, David mourned the death of his son in the same place where he mourned when he sinned against Bathsheba. And I want to share a few things of what David would say to us as parents concerning this, especially fathers here. And that was just my introduction, dude. <laughs> we got another three hours. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay, my coworkers say, I'm out of here. I want to give you one thing that he will say today, and I'll give you the rest next week. Amen? This is what David would say to us. David would say, the private habits of parents often become public habits of your children. Private habits that you do as parents will be public habits in the view of others through your children. Second Samuel, let's read the story as we go back to see what started all this. Amen. Second Samuel, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. It says, now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Abnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Abnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Abnon thought he could never have her. But Abnon was, had a very crafty friend. I mean, how many of you have some crafty friends? Come on, they just tell you to do some bad things, amen? Come on. Well, he had one of these friends here, amen. And uh, his, uh, his, his cousin, amen, which was uh, uh, Jonadab. And he was the son of David's brother, amen. And one day Jonadab told Abnon, what's the trouble? Why should the son of the king look so dejected this morning, morning after morning? So Abnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother's uh, Absalom's sister, well, John, Jonadab said, well, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to your bed and pretend that you're ill. Your father will see you. When he comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar prepare. I'll come and prepare some food for you. And tell him that you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. So Adnan laid down and pretended to be sick. And the king came to see him. And Adnan asked him, please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish and as I watch, and then I'll eat from her own hand. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Adnan's house to prepare him some food uh, for him. I, I want to look here real quickly at the pattern of sin. Amen. Now, how do you think Adnan required a lustful eye? Come on. An eye that caused him to rape his half-sister. Come on, you, you think it's coincidence, or could he have gotten it from his father David, who did the same thing with Bathsheba? Come on, or is there some truth to the story, church? Like father, like, come on, I want you to look, parents, I want you to think about your kids right now. Do, do you see similar things in, in your kids' life that remind you, remind them of you? Come on, facial expressions. Actions, the way they walk, the way they talk. You know, my kids, amen, my, my, my daughter especially, you know, I, I have a habit when I'm laying on the couch with socks on, I start rubbing my feet. And my daughter does the same thing. Come on. I mean, my son farts and laughs, my grandson farts and laughs. I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, you look at your kids and you see things that remind them of, of, of you. Look, how, look, how, look what she's doing. Look what he's doing. It says, man. But I also believe, church, there are family curses, generational curses. There are demonic influences that follow our families as well. Could Abnon been influenced by his father David, who thought nobody, nobody knew what he did? Nobody. Nobody knew. <laughs> I need some water, man. 
Could he got this from his dad? An act that he did that he thought, no one knows this. My kids don't know what I did. But it has spiritual negative impact on the family. See, alcohol runs in my family, church. From grandpa to my father to my brothers to me. It ran. It was a generational curse in our family. And I thought when I was growing up, man, I'll never, ever be like my dad. I'll never be like him. You know, I seen my mom go through troubles with my brothers and my dad. And I said, man, I'm not going to put my mom through that. But what I did not want to become, I became. It was a spiritual stronghold in my life, amen. And it tried to get my kids as well. And I broke that generational curse upon my family when I got saved, amen. And Jesus Christ delivered me from everything, amen. I said, you're not going to come into my family. It stops right here. You're not getting my kids. You're not getting my grandkids. You're not getting generations that follow me. It stops right here. There's curses, church. Sometimes you have to wonder, why am I like this? Maybe grandpa was. Maybe grandma was. Maybe they dabble with some stuff that you don't even know. Yet we blame this and blame that and blame everyone else instead of just letting Jesus deliver you. That's why we've got to be careful, church, about who and what we let into our homes. You, you, come on. You've got to check your kids' room sometime. Check that bag. Open up that, that backpack. See what, what's inside there. Come on. Where did this come from? I remember when my, 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 my son, my oldest son was going through a dark season, amen. I said, what's going on with my son? I just got saved. He was, you know, I get saved and he goes back, he goes, he goes black. I mean, black, black, just, just dark, darkness. He was dressed dark. He was all this. I said, he was listening to some just music. And I, I'm like, what the heck is this? Man, even when I wasn't going to church, I didn't even do that. I mean, it was, just, it was just a dark season in his life. And, and me and my wife, what do we do? We go in his room, we start searching it, throwing things away. Boom, 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 putting on worship music. And I said, God, blind him. Then I'm not come back and say, you've been in my room, huh? He never did that. God took care of it, man. I said, man, get this. What's this? That demonic stuff, man. Satan this, Satan that. Boom, throwing everything away. I said, open up the windows, play some worship music, and drive these demons out of here. I said, you're not going to grab my son. If my son won't listen, then I'll do it when he's at school. Parents, you have a right to do that. Well, you take me to shut up, courts. Man. Be a parent. Those are your kids. The government don't care about them. You have to care about them. Come on, rights, rights what? Yeah, you live in our house, this is the only right you got. When you misbehave, guess what? Now, I'm not saying go beat them, church. I mean, they calls, they beat me today. No, I'm not saying beat them. You guys will go out of hand and start whipping your kids. Don't, I'm not saying that. I know your minds, Amen. You're like this, wait till you get home, girl. <laughs> no, I'm saying discipline them. I'm saying love them. I'm saying show them. And if you have to discipline them in a way that needs discipline, then you got to do it in a right manner, not in anger. Not in anger, church, but in love. Speak to them. Talk to them. Let me tell you, they want that from you. I know there's times there's rebellion. There's times where they get out of hand, church. And they, they drive you nuts. And all you want to do is, <laughs> I know, I know. I've been there. And they, I've done some things to my sons. Not my, this son. This son got a, he did nothing. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's a good boy. His little things like that, I have nothing. <laughs> I 
she's, she's trying to be all bad. He's, he's not bad. He's not bad. <laughs> this bad is good, amen. <laughs> my other son, now that's it. And my daughter, oh. She's a good girl now. <laughs> but she is strong-willed. Amen. Gave my wife a, gave my wife a prayer life with that girl, Amen. <laughs> But they, 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 they do that. Our kids will push us, church. We've got to handle things. We, we, we didn't handle things that were going up. We're, we're, we're trying to be, do the right thing, but sometimes our kids just need our attention. Sometimes our kids are speaking through actions that they're doing and say, maybe they'll get a hold of me. Maybe they'll notice something. Maybe they'll come talk to me. And sometimes they've got to do something wrong to get your attention. Got to watch what comes into our homes. See, sin can come knocking at your door, church, but it doesn't mean you have to let it in. Come on, you don't have to let it in. You don't have to buy what they're selling, church. You don't have to buy what the devil's selling to you. Close the door. Don't even open it. Come on, all you guys have holes. You were so good, amen, when you weren't saved and they came knocking on your door, fighting, giving you a flyer. Well, they're here, the church people. <laughs> shh, shh, turn the TV off. Kids, shh. Take, that, take the dog over there. Come on, I know you guys, you know, you guys go like this. No, oh, they're still there. <laughs> you don't have to open the door, church, when Satan comes knocking at your door and asking for your kids. Say, so you're not going to have my kids. We don't say, well, let them learn their lesson. No, no, that's not parenting. When they get old and they move away, then they're on their own. Now you have to do is just cover them in prayer. But as long as they're in your house, love on them. Teach them. Show them. If we go back to Absalom, where did he get the idea that, you know what, I'm going to get my brother drunk and kill him. Where, 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 where do you get the idea I can kill him and get away with it? Come on, what do you think caused him to think, let me get him drunk first, then I'll kill him? Come on, does it sound familiar? Remember when his father David tried to get Uriah, Bathsheba's father, husband, drunk? When he got her pregnant and fell into sin? Come on, he, he brings him from the warfield, uh, war, uh, warfield uh, out there, man, brings him from the battle and says, you know what, Uriah, come on in. You know, he's trying to hide this thing. Goes, he, he tries to get him drunk. He tries to make him sleep with his wife. But Uriah's a man of God. says, no, I cannot do that right now while we're still at war. He said the next morning he got up and he was sleeping where the soldiers stand. And would not get mad. And, and David was getting so upset. He goes, man, what can I do, amen? They're going to find out what I did. And then he gets him drunk again, and still he doesn't do it. So what do you do? Sends orders, puts him back in the battlefield, and tells him, put, 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 put Uriah in the front. And when the enemy comes, tell the other soldiers to back up, and he'll get killed. And they did that, backed up, and his, and his life's taken away. And David says, done, covered, I covered my mistakes. Where do you think he got that from? Maybe his dad? Let me tell you, church, your kids are more aware of what you're doing than you know. You think you're getting away with things, doing things. They know, church. They're seeing your life. Listen, Abnon and Absalom were born in 2 Samuel chapter 3. David fell with Bathsheba in this sin and killed her husband later in 2 Samuel 11. Both those kids were there. Both those kids knew what happened. Because David fell in a sexual sin and murder the way he did, guess what it did? It opened the door for his family. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10, look what it says. Therefore, it says, the sword shall never depart from your home. The, the New Living Translation says this in verse 10. 
From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Verse 11 says, because you have, what you have done, it, I will cause your whole household to rebel against you. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all of Israel. See, what David did in the secret, God was going to expose him to let everyone in the land see. In other words, it's going to be a negative impact on your family. And everyone will know and everyone will see. 2 Samuel, verses 12, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 12 to 14 says this. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And here, this is where David gets caught. Remember the story, Nathan the prophet comes, and he's trying to get David to confess. And so he goes like this, and he's talking, and now David shares that story. Remember the story, amen, about, about the pig and, and all this stuff, and, and, and the, the, the one that doesn't kill the pig from his own staff, but takes one that only had one. And he says, nah, that's the wrong thing to do. You know, read the story on that. But, but here he goes like this, and Nathan tells him, you know what, I have sinned against the Lord. Here David finally confesses. Nathan replied and said, the Lord is going to take away your sin. You're not going to die. But because you did this and shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. This was a son that was caused in, in sin in Bathsheba's belly. He goes, you know what, you're not going to die. You're going to be forgiven, but that kid, I'm going to take away. Just because we're saved, church, just because we're Christians, listen, doesn't mean that we get away with things. Hello. When we do wrong things, guess what? We still reap. Can't say, well, I'm a pastor now. If I say, no, no, no big deal. God's going to just forgive me because I'm one of his top five guys. <laughs> Some of you guys will get that on the way home. <laughs> no, if I, if, I, if I mess up, guess what? I'm going to reap. If you mess up, guess what? You're going to read. You know, getting saved doesn't cover your sins. Amen. Grace is not used as a cover-up, church. Grace is used as a, as a, when you get remorse in your sins. Say, man, I messed up like David did. David says, I messed up. See, David did some wrong things in his life, but he knew how to get a hold of God. That's what made David a man after God's own heart, because he knew how to repent to God. And you got to understand today, amen, that you gotta, you got to grab a hold of this, amen, and say, you know what, God, it, I'm not using my, my Christianity. I'm not going to use it because I go to church, amen. That it opens the door for me to do something wrong. We will still reap what we sow. Our kids will mimic us, church. And they will follow the values that we live. We are called to be role models to our children. Can somebody say amen? Come on, you got to steer them in the right direction, church. You've got to guide them. you got to teach them. You know, there's so many parents out there today that they start doing all the wrong, and they tell their kids, don't do it. Do what I say, but don't do what I do. Come on, you say, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do all this stuff, yet you're doing it. Don't cuss, yet you cuss. I mean, what kind of example are we setting people? We're confusing them. We have to guide our children. We got to show our children, guys, and steer them in the right direction. We need parents today that will say, do what I say, do what I do, and follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. Come on, you got to set the example for your children. Show them the way, church. They need help. Come on. TV doesn't parent him. They don't parent. Don't put them in front of the TV. Here, you're going to learn some education. They're going to teach you. <laughs> and walk away. Come on. Our, our, our children are so educated by a tablet. We'll say, well, we'll teach them when they grow up. And by that time, it's too late, church. They get curious, 
all these devices have internet access just like this to tap into anything they want, church. And yet we just hand it over without any type of parental guidance. And we wonder why they're like that. We wonder why they're going through a season while you stop parenting and you let a device parent your children instead of spending time with your kids. Let's get our kids back, church, before it's too late. Winning them over after the fact, I'm not saying God can't save them, church. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm evident of that. I'm evident of a man, a, a child that went its own ways, but God brought me back. But why? Because of a, a mom that prayed for me. You know, Proverbs 22.6 says, direct your children on the right path, and when they get older, they will not leave from it. You, you got to direct them. Direct your children. They're, they're your kids. It's not the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher to teach them the, the things of God. Come on, it's not the responsibility of the church to teach them who God is. It's your responsibility. You come here to get equipped to teach your kids. Come on, we, we think, well, we don't have to read the Bible to them. We don't have to teach them nothing. They go to Sunday school. There they are, praise. They, they, they get their, their little godly dose, little holy ghost. You think that's going to last them throughout the week? Monday's all right, Tuesday, and ah, Wednesday comes. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> we we got to teach our kids. We got to spend time. You got to pray for your kids daily. You, you have to do these things. This is direct your children, your children, your children. Say, my children. Come on, on the right path. And when they get old, they're not going to leave from it. Now, I'm not saying that they won't take off, they won't do the wrong thing. They're going to do it, even though you teach them. This is where you trust God. That when they get up old, they'll come back to where they need to come back. I wandered away. I did crazy things. I messed up my life. I'd done things in, that affected our family. But when I got old, and old is not when you get old in age, church. Old is when you wake up. Old is when you start to think right. I started thinking right and said, God, I'm going to go back to where I need to be. This is where I need to be. This is what my mom taught me. This is where I was raised. This is, how, this is why she prayed for me. I didn't get it all those years. I, I was a kid. I was a kid. I was a kid. Even when I was an adult, I was still getting a kid, being a kid, doing these things, as, as, you know, thinking I'm young and you know, all this. I, I almost lost everything, church. Almost lost everything. I thank God that he restored me. And gave me back what I was about to lose. Gave me back my wife. Gave me back my children. And gave me a second chance of fathering them and parenting them where I messed up and wasn't even being a father. See, it was mom and dad all in one. And dad was just come. I was like the weekend dad. I wasn't even the weekend dad. I was, gone. I was the gone dad. I was like if I was locked up, never home, even weekends I'd be gone. It was just moments that I would see my children. Moments, moments, just it. That's your dad. Oh, that's him. That's how he looks like? Yeah, that's him. That's all my kids knew me by. Dad coming in, dad paying the rent, dad doing this, dad gone on the weekends. I'm not saying it was all bad church, but that's, that's what life was. That's how my wife, my wife lost her husband. For 10 years. Because of my selfishness and my ways. But when I grew up, when I got old, when I got old, I, I, I put my life back to the path where I needed to be. I said, God, you're a restorer. You're a God that can fix whatever needs to be fixed. What may be impossible in the world, what may be impossible to, to any type of doctor, God, you can make it possible. And God, I'm just going to trust you. And that's what he told me. Trust me, give your life to me, and I'll put everything back together. And I'm here to let you know that God is not a liar. Because I stand here. 
today. Having a second chance for family. Having a second chance to be a, a dad and now a grandfather. Having another chance with a little girl. I lost my years with my daughter. I was never, we were never, she was never daddy's little girl. I lost that. It's my fault. We have a great relationship now. And she loves me. She really does. But I lost those moments of growing up. And then God, not only did he save me and do all this, he says, son, I'm going to give you a second chance. And he gives me a granddaughter. Here, start on her and fill in the voided areas that you missed with her. How, how good is God, man? And he gave me, when she was pregnant, I already knew. It's, it's a daughter. He goes, no, it's not. You got to come. You got to do the sound. You know, the sound. I said, girl, I already know what it is. My God's going to give me what I ask. I want a second chance of raising a little girl. Oh, she's hard to fight, man. But I love her. She'll learn to love me later. It's all about grandma. I'm jealous. I go home and I like, look at her like... I'm so mad at times. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but just looking at her and seeing her run and at times, you know, the times her coming up in her 